Oh, dropping pens everywhere. Just add my welcome to those who uh, we've welcomed into membership. We know we have many others amongst us who are trying to explore and understand who we are and what we're about. And uh, just to uh, highlight what Sean said, that exploring membership courses is a great way of finding out more and more about who we are and the journey we're on. So we'd love to have uh, any or all of you who are sort of looking in at the moment on us uh, to uh, come on that and explore uh, what uh, church membership looks like uh, together. Um, before we read that, uh, that passage of Scripture, we'll come to that in just a couple of moments. I want to start with uh, a bit of a story from my own life. Uh, I got saved when I was 19 uh, from a, a nominal Anglican background, which really meant I, turned, I attended church regularly. Uh, that was about three times a year, Easter, Christmas, and normally some other family celebration or some other sort of event. Uh, but actually, there was no real living relationship there with uh, Jesus for me. And uh, I got uh, saved into a, a church a little bit like this. It was probably half the size, I guess, uh, very strongly orientated to the community. And uh, as part of that, uh, there was a bunch of uh, young uh, teenage, uh, sorry, uh, young adults, I suppose. We were all sort of 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, and we just wanted to pray together. So on a Friday night, we used to meet in, uh, at a friend's house. He's, his family had outgrown the house, so they'd converted the garage into an extra bedroom. So his bedroom was separate from the house, which was great because it meant we could be really noisy. And uh, we had great, uh, great times of just praying together on a Friday night. And we prayed together for revival. We pray for our country and we pray for revival. And uh, each, each week, one of us would just bring a bit of a reading. And uh, I had not been a Christian very long at all when I remember somebody uh, reading about spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, um, and I think when we think of spiritual gifts, we can often think of things like tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, things like that. Maybe some of the gifts of administration, gifts of giving, things like that. And I remember as this person was reading it, just being struck that as he was reading through his passage from 1 Corinthians 12, he talked about the gift of miraculous powers. I thought, or, or deeds of power, depending on your translation, depends how it's phrased. But basically, miracles. And just being struck by it and thinking, oh God, God, I'd love to see miracles. I'm hungry to see miracles. Now, to be frank, my, um, my motivation in praying for that was probably not terribly wholesome in places probably wanting to be more about me than God and various other things. But I remember praying, oh God, can we see miracles? Can you give me the gift of miracles? Can we see miracles in our church? Can I see miracles in my life? And, and you, of course, you've got to think, well, what, what do you mean by a miracle? What, what is a miracle? I would suggest it's something that cannot be explained by natural means. Something that cannot be explained by natural means. And... Uh, I have to say, I've seen quite a few of those, actually. And I guess most of us have, actually, when we see somebody getting healed. That is something which we cannot explain by natural means. When we see salvation, that is another miracle. When we see people getting set free from life-changing trauma, that's another miracle. It can't just happen by just being nice to somebody. They need to meet with God. They need that freedom from God. And, and so I hope actually if we reflect on it in that way, many of us would go, oh, wow, actually, I've, 
seen quite a few miracles. Praise God. And yet I don't want to dumb that down because there's a gift of miracles as well. And actually, just like all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're there for us to ask for and to receive. I just want to start by asking this question. I wonder how many of us have said, Lord, I've loved the gift of miracles. And that's where I want to pause for us to go to our reading today. So if you've got your Bible with you, Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start at verse 22. And uh, just, just to explain sorry, that what's happened uh, before that, Jesus has just set, fed 5,000 people what, using a boy's picnic lunch. Okay, so these disciples, they were used to seeing miracles. In fact, they've seen many other miracles. If you read back through Matthew, going back to the early parts of Matthew, you'll see loads of different miracles, healing, signs and wonders, all sorts of things. So these are seasoned disciples. Okay, they, they know what miracles are about. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. I love Peter. He's such a hothead, isn't he? Uh, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. Cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they crossed over... They landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all the sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Jesus, Son of God, we welcome you here. We welcome your Holy Spirit here. Come and meet us in the storm of our lives. Come and call us out to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be thinking, Andrew, I thought this was a gift week. What on earth has this got to do with a gift week? Don't worry. We'll come back to that. I wonder what you think when you read that story. I wonder where you put yourself. Would you put yourself in, P- in Peter's shoes? Would you, would, you, would you be the one who goes, hey, God, if that's you, call me. Let me come and walk to you. Would you be perhaps the other disciples in the boat where you're going, huh, 
Um, I'm in a storm. I'm experienced. We're experienced fishermen. Don't worry, I'm getting out on that water. I've seen people drown. I've lost friends there. Why would you want to get out of the boat? This is weird, but I'm happy for that weirdness to stay over there. Jesus, you're welcome to keep on walking past. I wonder where you'd be. I wonder what, what's, what would go on in your mind if you were to be in that experience. Some of you would probably say, you won't get me out on the water in the first place. Well, that may well be the case for some of us. I wonder where you would be at. The disciples, they've been with Jesus for some time by, this, by the time this happened. As I said, they've experienced many miracles already. These were not the first time that they'd seen Jesus do something, in quotes, weird. Something unusual. And yet, these experienced disciples are just terrified. People are used to being out in a boat, being out in storms, fishermen. They're terrified as they see Jesus walk past. It would be pretty weird, wouldn't it? Walking along, and I don't know how you do it over the waves. I don't know. How do you do it? Did he just have a flat path and the waves were around him? We don't know. They were terrified. They clearly had more to learn. Have more to learn about who Jesus was and what the Father loves to do. Friends, can I just say, let's make sure we always keep that attitude. There's more to learn. There's more to know of the Father. There's more to know about his Son. There's more steps the Spirit has got for us to walk in. Let's be a people who are always keen to learn, keen to know and see and recognize what God the Father's doing. Keen to be involved in his miracles, which he, he loves to do around us. So I just want to draw three very simple points from this passage. First one's this. Miracles start when we see Jesus in the busyness and hardship of everyday life. Miracles start when we see Jesus in the busyness and hardship of everyday life. I think sometimes we think that miracles have to happen in some sort of special circumstances where it feels like the, the clouds separate and the, 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 some sort of vision comes down from heaven and you know that's the moment you've got to do something. And of course God loves to speak to us and he loves to direct us. But yet here... <laughs> The disciples, they're just trying to get across a lake. And the wind's against them. The boat's against them. They're in a, an everyday set of circumstances for them. They're not expecting a miracle. They're, they're seasoned sailors. They, they're used to the winds on the, on the lake. They've understood, oh, well, we just have to keep on, keep going, and we'll make very slow progress. We'll get there eventually. It'll be fine. It wasn't like they were at risk of sinking. That's a different story. Can't we be like that? In the busyness of everyday life, we just think, oh, I've just got to get on with it. Just got to press on. Just got to grin and bear it. Just got to deal with this day by day. I've just got to keep walking little steps forward, little steps forward, little steps forward. And we'll get there eventually. We'll get, we'll get to the other side of the lake. 
We'll get to what we want to achieve. We'll get to what we want to do. And the Father loves to meet us through his Son. Loves to meet us in the middle of that. Do you know that? God loves to do miracles in everyday life. It's not just on a Sunday. It's not just when we're at life group or impact group or in a special church meeting. No, the Father loves to do miracles just out in the open, in the midst of everyday life. How cool is that? How great is that? He loves to do it. Peter, the disciples, they were terrified. They'd lost courage. I wonder when you sense when the Father's saying something which seems perhaps a bit outrageous what your response is. Where you see the Father doing something and you think, oh, 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 I don't know whether I want to get involved in that. It's very easy, isn't it, to let fear and courage take hold of us. And yet Peter asks this such a simple question, doesn't he? In the midst of all of this, Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, straight on the back of that, as it's recorded, says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. You know, we can see things going on sometimes in our lives. We can have experiences where you think, I wonder whether God's up to something here. I wonder whether I should, should I risk it? Should I step forward? Should I reach out to that person and offer to pray for them? Should I express something of the hope? Should I follow the lead the Spirit of God is giving me at this point? Maybe he's provoking me to see something or say, well, we could do this. Or should I bottle it? Should I bottle it? Shall I, shall I step back? For some of us, life is so busy, we just don't see. It'd be very easy, wouldn't it, for... Jesus to have walked past at a different point on the lake. He didn't need to walk past right up to the boat, but he wanted to be seen. He wanted to teach the disciples something. Don't need to be fearful. Don't need to be fearful, friends. We don't need to be fearful. When God is at work, we don't need to be fearful. We can trust him. When we see the Father at work, when we see stuff going on in somebody's life, we can get engaged with that. We can get involved in that. Simple steps of obedience. I wonder what's going on in your mind at the moment. I wonder what you're thinking about. I wonder how you're feeling. Are you thinking, oh no. What on earth is he up to? How can he talk about this? Is he really thinking that we are going to get involved in doing miracles. Is he really thinking that? I wonder what's going on in your mind. I wonder if you're thinking, if I was on that boat, I'd have my head well down so I could not see anything else because I just don't want to see this because that is scary. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, come on, bring it on. We'll all have different responses to this sort of thing. But look what happens with Peter. He says, God, if it's you, I want to be involved. I want to be involved, God. If that's you, Jesus, if that's you, I want to be involved. How can I be involved? Can I come and join you, please? And in the midst of our everyday lives, 
Our Father is doing things around us. Are we seeing him? Are we saying, Father, can I get involved? Can I get involved with what you're doing in this person's life? Can I bring something of the gospel, something of hope, something of love, something of peace, something of grace to this person? Can I bring hope? Can I bring healing? Can I bring salvation? What are you doing, Lord? Can I be involved, please? Or is it, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I've, I've, I'm busy. I've got my everyday life. I just need to get on with my everyday life. Miracles start when we see Jesus in the busyness of our lives. Even when the wind's against us. Even when it's tough. Do you want to be involved in a miracle? Do you want to be a person who brings something of that dynamic of God into somebody else's life where they go, wow. Well, we know what happens, don't we? The next step is, oh, step out of the boat. Easy for me to fall off the stage, isn't it? I know there's a floor there. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Step out of the boat? I wonder how he did it. So this was the edge of the boat. I wonder whether he... He was in the boat here, and he sort of swung his legs around and kept his backside on the edge of the boat. I think that's the way I would have done it. I'd sort of just put my foot on the water and... Hang on, it's solid. It's solid. This isn't water, it's... Oh, put my other foot down now. Oh, right, I'm off. I'm good. <coughs> well, bearing in mind it's Peter, I wonder whether he just went... and jumped in. I don't know. It's, we, we don't get told, do we? I would love to have been there. I'd love to have seen it. You know, when we when God's about something, He speaks deeply into our hearts, tells us that you don't need to be afraid. Fear and doubt, they disempower. They stop us. That's why I said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. It's Jesus. He's about something. You can take this step. You can take this step. You can trust him. It's interesting, isn't it? I think sometimes we think, I'll take that step, Lord, when you make it clear. I won't be afraid when you make it really clear. And often we put a lot of conditions onto what really clear is before we're prepared to take the step. And I think if we're really true, sometimes we add conditions when we think the first one's been met. Well, yeah, maybe that could have just been circumstantial. I'll add a few other conditions here, because I'm really not sure whether this is you, Lord, or not. Which is just masking and hiding, really, the fact that we're going, oh, no. How do I risk it? How do I do it? What do I do? Panic sets in so easily, doesn't it? Peter's comment, if it's you... Doubt is there. See, faith isn't, isn't a certainty. <laughs> Doubt has to exist for faith to be exercised. So I say that one again. Doubt has to exist for faith to be exercised. If you can be certain about something, it's no longer faith, it's certainty. If you're going to step out in faith, there will be a risk. There will be the opportunity that something will go wrong. There will also be a great opportunity for our Father in heaven to be glorified 
through the miraculous as we take those steps of faith. Yeah, but Andrew, you don't understand. It's I feel silly. I feel silly offering to pray for that person. And and if nothing happens, then haven't I let God down? No. No, you've done what the Father was asking you to do. Reach out and pray for that person. Bring healing to them. Pray for the Father to bring healing to them. You've done, you've done, you, the rest is down to the Father. He's perfectly able and big enough and capable enough to sort everything else out. We don't need to worry about that. But in that step, what we have to do is sacrifice ourselves. We have to say, I'll sacrifice my pride to you, Lord. I'll sacrifice my ego, my sense of self-worth, my fear of looking silly, my whatever it may well be, all of these things. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. I don't matter. Am I going to jump? Am I going to go for it? To step out the boat means we've got to get out of our comfort zones. It means we've got to take risk. For some of us, we'll have a history which says, "Uh uh-uh, I've done that risk thing before. It didn't work. Why would I take risk again? Uh Uh-uh, no, my risk meter says, once tried, that's it, forget it. If the Father's calling you to something, surely, don't you want to be part of God's answer to somebody's prayer? If he's directing you to something, to to someone to express the love of God in some tangible way to somebody who perhaps doesn't yet know him. That's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, sorry, let's just be brutally honest here. Anybody else find this challenging apart from me? Because I find it horribly challenging. Yeah, just a few of us. Some of us may be thinking, I don't want to put my hand up. That's, that's outside my comfort zone. Yeah, come on, Reg. We should see a lot of miracles. It's horribly challenging, isn't it? Yeah, getting out of a boat in the middle of a sea, potentially drowning. It's a nightmare. I grew up sailing on the North Sea. I've seen boats wrecked on the North Sea. Big, big, bit bigger than the sea we're talking about here. Waves get quite big. I've heard stories of lives being lost. Thank, thank God, never a friend of mine, but of others. The sea is big. It's scary. Fear is big. It's scary. Doubt. It's big. It's scary. If we give it room, it will get bigger and more scarier. And what it will do is it will, pin, it will pin us down into a little place where we just, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting here. To, I, I just need to wait until God comes and takes me home. I can't do anything. Or I'll just do these few things I feel safe with. Yeah, if we want to see miracles, we need to be prepared to step out of the boat. We need to risk it. We need to say to doubt and fear, I'm going to put them aside. I've got a father who loves me. 
I've got a father who's got good things in store for me. I've got a father who's got great plans for my life. I've got a father I can trust. I've got a father who won't let me down. I've got a father I can trust. Therefore, I will step out of the boat. I will take the chance of going to somebody called Roger and taking his hand and praying for his wrist because his wrist was hurting when I saw him on Monday night. How's your wrist doing? Is it any better? Okay, God, would you heal this wrist? Would you heal this wrist completely and totally that the doctors don't need to do anything with it because they would know it's better? But if you don't heal it, Lord, give the doctors grace to make Roger better, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Monday night, Roger was around our place. <coughs> I hope I didn't embarrass you. And he was going, oh. I just said, how are you? And he said, oh, my wrist is, it's been hurting me for some time. It's been hurting me for some time. It would have been so easy for me to think, well, it's between the hours of five and seven. That's my downtime. I don't need to do anything. I'm at home. Roger's the, uh, Roger's the person visiting my house. He's, he's, he's welcome, but I don't have to do anything. Why should I do anything? Or I can take a risk. I can step out and say, why don't we just pray about that, Roger? Why don't we just ask God to come and heal? Nothing happened, or very little happened. That's okay. That's okay. I've taken my step of obedience. The rest is down to the Father. Because if he's good, if he's trustworthy, if he's faithful, which he is all of these things, by the way, if he's got good plans for us, which he has, then surely we can trust him and, and think, well, okay, I'm just going to step out, Lord, and if you're doing something here, great. I prefer to get it wrong than to miss an opportunity. Because I want, I, want them, I want Roger to know the love of God. I want him to encounter something of the love of God, I, to, to know that God cares for him. So you know, I not only pray for him for healing, but pray for him for actually that he just knows more and more of God. We can all do that, can't we? We're empowered to. The Bible's very, very clear we're empowered to. So first of all, miracles start in the midst of our everyday life. When it's busy, when it's hard, when we see what Jesus is doing. At that point in time, the second thing is we need to be prepared to get out of the boat. That is to get out of the boat of our security. Be prepared to make some sacrifices. Risk looking silly. The third thing's this. Really already said it. Miracles aren't about us, they're about Jesus. We don't do the miracles. As Peter's walking towards Jesus, we read that story, don't we? He's, uh, verse 29, Jesus says to him, come. Then Peter gets out of the boat, walked on the water, and comes towards Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, this is uh, Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Fear kicks in. I'm beginning to sink. <laughs> Cries out, Lord, save me. Beginning to sink. Can you imagine? At that point, 
he's probably thinking, I know this part of the sea. It's a good few hundred feet deep, probably. They won't find my body in a hurry. Yeah, all that sort of stuff must be going through the head, mustn't it? What's going on? Yeah. I, could he swim? We don't know. And Jesus reaches down and picks him up, scoops him up out of the water. Immediately, Jesus reaches out at his hand and catches him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climb back into the boat. They go on, press on in the plans and purposes of God. They cross over and they see many healed. Many of the sick just come and they meet Jesus and they're healed. Another miracle takes place. <coughs> Friends, there will be times where we bottle it, where we get it wrong, where we miss, miss an opportunity or where we step out and it doesn't happen. It just doesn't work for whatever reason. It just doesn't work and and, you, and the temptation is so real, isn't it, to go, I'm never going to do that again. I feel so embarrassed. I feel so awkward. I, 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 I went to do this, and, and God didn't turn up. Lovely hearing Tom and uh, Fiona's testimony, where they talked about, actually, sometimes we gave, and nothing came in. That's Okay. God looks for people who will be obedient to what he calls us to do. He doesn't promise that he'll fill up our bank accounts again just because we've given. No, he takes us into steps of obedience. He takes us on a journey with him. We, he helps us to grow in faith. We grow in trust in him. Doubt and fear are the things which will stop us. Even when we step out, we can bottle it. Even when we step out, when we reach out, we think, actually, I'll just tone that one down. I won't, I won't say what I really felt God was doing. I'll just tone it down a bit and make it more palatable, more nice, more easy. Then I won't lose out. And, but I've sort of been obedient to God, haven't I? When we step out, Jesus will be with us. He says, he'll never leave us or forsake us. We don't need to worry. We can hand over to him the responsibility for fulfilling things. He's just looking for our obedience, isn't he? That's what Jesus did. I do what the, I see the Father doing. Let's copy him. Call to imitate Jesus. Let's do what we see Jesus doing. Let's, see what the, let's do what we see the Father doing. How do we do that? Well, the Holy Spirit will lead us. He'll direct us. He'll guide us. He'll provoke us. He'll stir us. He'll stir us to take steps of faith. But we also know, because the Bible speaks to us so powerfully, that there are many signs of the kingdom advancing, and we are called and commissioned as loved children of God to get on and do those things. We're empowered with the Spirit to get on and do them. So we don't need a specific word to pray for somebody for healing. Sure, it doesn't half stir faith when we do. We don't need a specific word to reach out in love and mercy. We've already got it. It's in the Word. It's in the Bible. Sure, when the Spirit provokes us to, great. Absolutely. Those, those are those sort of golden moments, aren't they? 
Whenever we do, though, Jesus will step out. He'll be with us. He won't abandon us. He won't have forsaken us. And for many of us, as we take those steps, we'll have the privilege of being involved in some miracles. Miracles in other people's lives, where people come to know Jesus. Miracles in other people's lives, where they see the justice and love and mercy of God. Where they experience the healing power of God. Where they're set free from whatever their situation and circumstance may be. Is that going to be us? Are we going to be that sort of people? We talk about one of our, our, our values being courageous. Well, this is the sort of courageous we're talking about. Another one is about being generous. Well, this is actually about being generous. Generous with our selfishness by saying, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to pin that. I'm going to look to love that person generously. I'm going to look to step out in this way. I'm, I'm not going to be stingy. I'm not going to hold on to my resources, my resources of time and energy and self-worth and all those things. No, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give them away. And in so doing, I want to bless somebody else. And you know what? We have this wonderful thing called church, this community, this group of people, this family of people. And it's a great place to experiment with this sort of stuff. It's a great place to learn about this sort of stuff. If you think, well, I don't want to do it with somebody at work yet, well, do it here. Do it here. We've got loads of people in this room who just need to have fresh encounters with the love of God. Maybe God could be speaking to you today for somebody else in this room. Shock horror. Yes, he could. I wonder what he's saying to you about the person sitting next to you at this moment in time. Do you really mean that? Yeah. I wonder what God's saying to the person sitting next to you at this moment in time. I wonder what you could do which would help them know more of God and meet him afresh. I'm just pausing for a moment because I want us to think. And then maybe it's the time to ask that question, what can I, what can I do for my neighbour? Not just my neighbour sitting here today. My neighbour in my street, my road, where I live, my block of flats. Or the person at my workplace. Can I take a step? Can I take a step? Get out the boat? To bring the love of God to them? To help them encounter Jesus? What can I do? Friends, as Christians, we're called to know, first of all, the Father. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to establish relationship with the Father. It's achieved through Jesus and only through him. And we're to live life with him. The Father wants to have that ongoing relationship with us, that we live life with him. And in that, he's going to call us to steps of obedience to him got lots in here to be going on with in the word of God. We've got lots there to be going on with, loving one another in a lavish, generous, selfless way. That's a great starting point. And, and, and so much more there for the world. But you know what? He'll also direct our path through his Holy Spirit, who wants to be our best friend, who wants to lead us and guide us throughout life. 
If we're prepared for all of that relationship in the community which we call church, we will see his kingdom come. We'll see it come each and every day. We'll have the privilege of being bringers of his kingdom for our neighbor, for our family, for our street, for our workplace, for our school, for our college. It starts with stepping out of the boat. Once we have that relationship with the Father, most of the people here already have that. The rest of it just starts with going out of the boat, doesn't it? Oh my goodness. Are we prepared to do that? Can we stand, please? If you're a Christian here today, I would like to invite you to pray this prayer. Lord, help me to step out of your boat and bring your love to the world around us. Do a miracle in my heart. that I can be a miracle for others in you. Free me from fear, doubt. Give me courage. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You're probably expecting me to talk about the gift week. I'm not going to. Don't need to. We gave a flyer out about it. There's envelopes on your chairs. At some point in the next 15 minutes, as we enjoy worshipping God, the basket will come round. We'll give you a bit of notice before that. I could tell you about all the needs we have and why we're doing the gift week, but you've read that. If you're part of this church, you would have read that on the flyer we gave out last week. If you didn't get to read it, there are some available, you can come and grab one. I can tell you about the amounts we're looking for, but don't want to do that. What I want to encourage us to do is this. Say, Father, what are you doing here, now, in this place? How do I, how do we get involved? What's my part to play? And if we all keep our eyes on Jesus and do what he says to us, we'll have ample. Simple as that. So may God bless you with wisdom. May he bless you with understanding. May he bless you with courage and faith as we pursue him in all that he has. For his name's sake. Amen. Can the band come back, please? We're going to continue our time of worship. Probably in about five or ten minutes, the baskets will come around. We will bring a, an instruction. If you have got one of the gift aid envelope, uh, the giving envelopes on your chair, you're welcome to fill it in. Pop it in the offering. You can give a pledge. You can 
uh, commit to a regular amount of giving. You can put cash in it here and now. You can put a check in it. The directions are all there on the envelope. Or you can take it away and say, I'm not going to put anything in this week. That's fine. We'll be taking up offering next week. Maybe I'll put something in next week when I've had time to stop and think and pray. That's fine too. Don't let busyness drive you into a decision now. Instead, let's worship him. Let's delight in him. Let's enjoy him. Let's celebrate his goodness and his amazing love together. Amen?